Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation game night inside the Carrier Dome. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. Two guests lined up for you today. We'll hear from the head coach of the SU women, Quinton Hillsman, in about 15 minutes from now as we do every Wednesday at 1215. And then Mike Cousins. Q's grad will be on the call tonight for ESPNU. We'll uh, kick off hour number two by talking with Mike, who is uh, back on campus for the first time since since his engagement. He got he got engaged the last time he was here no inside deal. the dome. I wonder how he pat. How how do you follow that up? Do you have to plan something big? Potentially. Like I don't think his his fiance is with him on this trip, but like next time she comes up, you have to have something really big. He better take her take her out to a very nice dinner if that's the case. What a memory for him though to do that uh, inside the dome and and congratulations to Mike. And again, we'll kick off hour number two uh, with uh, with Mike Cousins. Big game inside the dome tonight. I mean, there there's no doubt about that. And and at this stage with with Syracuse, you know, standing at at two and four in conference play. Um, the next several are going to be considered big games, as we all know. It's BC tonight. It's at Pittsburgh next week, and then at Georgia Tech to close out the week and close out the month of January. And things get very, very difficult uh, once you hit February with with all the top teams uh, coming up on the schedule. Could you make the case, Seth, given where Syracuse is right now in the standings, given the stage of the season, given what we know lies ahead in the month of February? Could you make the case that this is the most important game remaining on the schedule? You could, uh, but I won't. Uh, I I will pick one of the other games. I will pick one of those February games, one of those games against a top 25 team, uh, a game that's not in the Dome. Uh, I'm going to pick any of these other games because Syracuse right now has one road game, one road win and only two two games that they've won away from the Carrier Dome in the Garden and at Georgetown, uh, they need to beat a good team, right? Because right now, uh, their their top line, their top line, top category wins are, are kind of lacking. Uh, they need to beat a good team. They need to win a game on the road. Uh, does that mean that I think Pittsburgh on Saturday is more important than today? Not necessarily, because that's not going to tell you anything. Uh, all it's going to do is add a tally mark. Uh, but you know what? I, I do think that maybe the Virginia game in the Dome on Super Bowl Saturday is more important. I do think maybe the, the North Carolina game in mid-February is, is a little more important. I think that Syracuse, if they're going to... Look, they've got to win this game but to, to make those matter. But I do think that they've got to win games against better teams, and those are more important. They do. And, and this is why I say, could you make the case? This is the case I would make for this being the most important game the rest of the way. Because on Selection Sunday, when you look back on the resume, sure, whichever of those you know upsets that Syracuse pulls off, whether it's you know Virginia or Duke or North Carolina or Miami, 
you would assume they're they're probably going to get one, right? They're going to play really well on a day against a really good team. They're going to be in a lot of close games. Let's say they get one or two of those. Yes, on Selection Sunday, we will look back and we will say, you know, that was the biggest win that on the schedule. That win got them in. Yeah. I'm saying going into the game. Like, you don't know that that's the night, right? You don't. I don't know as if you could say going into Virginia, this is the most important game of the season. They need to win this game in order to make the NCAA tournament. The reason I say, and I, and I don't know if I buy that or not, this being the most important game the rest of the way, but, but think about this for a moment. If they lose this game, Syracuse would drop to two and five in conference play. You, you look need at the, to win the next two. You look at the rest of the schedule, Seth. They might be favored, maybe four or five more times the rest of the way. And so, if you win the games you're supposed to win, lose the games you're supposed to lose, and I realize it won't work out like that. They, you know, they may win a couple that they're you know quote unquote not supposed to get. You add, let's be generous. Let's give them five more wins. That gets you to seven in conference play. Seven and 11. Okay. That's not enough. And and again, I realize that you can pick off a few, and then on Selection Sunday, you'll look back and say, well, that was a really good win over Virginia. That was the most important game, so on and so forth. I'm saying going into the game, though, this feels like a game that, you know, you said, well, you got to win this game tonight. Yeah, you better win this game tonight because two and five with the schedule that you have coming up. Oh, you're not bouncing. It's really tough. I don't want to say you're not bouncing back, but it's really tough to see them bouncing back from that. Um, I would look tonight. Tonight's a game that you have to win. I would argue that next Wednesday's game at Georgia Tech is more important. I I think because it's a road game. Because it's a road game. uh, Yes, I I think that that's just a, a more important game because we have not seen now in two years that Syracuse could win a game away from the dome. We just haven't. I mean, there are two road wins last year. How many times are we going to bring it up? But it was Clemson on a buzzer beater, and Clemson wasn't all that great last year. And it was NC State, uh, you know, that for, a buzzer beater, a buzzer beater to force overtime and forty three points from John Gillen. This year, their two road wins are at the Garden, a neutral site against UConn, and UConn's awful, and at Georgetown. And guess what? Georgetown's not very good either. So we haven't seen that this team could beat anybody halfway decent on the road. And we need to be able to see that. We need to be able to know that. And I, I think that that, as far as building a tournament resume goes, is just as important, if not more important, than tonight. And that's a fair point. Um, but I would say this, and I realize what the standings say, and that Georgia Tech's three and three in conference play. BC's three and four. I think BC is a better team than Georgia Tech. I think at the end, I mean, I, I was looking at the lines going into tonight. Georgia Tech's playing Florida State. You know, Georgia Tech again has the better conference record. They're nine and a half point underdogs. I don't think Georgia Tech's very good. Um, I think BC is better, and I think BC is very dangerous. You look at what they've done in conference, and we made the point last week that they have not won in the league away from Chestnut Hill. They've been right there. They lost by one point. At Charlottesville, they were right in the game. I mean, they put a scare into Louisville over the weekend at Louisville. The one game that they they got away from, they got blown out in Chapel Hill. But they beat Duke obviously at home. They beat Florida State at home. They beat Wake Forest at home. Syracuse didn't beat Wake Forest. Uh, now Syracuse will get a chance to play him inside the dome in in mid February. But they've got three. Well, two really good wins in conference. Wake isn't a good win to beat them at home, but they took care of business there. And then on the road, they've played some good teams very close, the the likes of Virginia and Louisville. This BC team is better than you want them to be if you're Syracuse. Oh, absolutely. You want this to be a team that you should beat twice. You want this to be a team that you can beat twice. Um, And the way that they've played, particularly at home and, and against the top teams in this conference, I don't know that, and given that you just lost to Kai Bowman and Jerome Robinson in Chestnut Hill, I don't think you could just assume that later in the year you're going to walk into you know into Chestnut Hill and beat this team. 
um, and that you know makes today more important, and that means that you you know need to get a win. Um, I just I have a, I have trouble calling a mid a late January game at home against a bottom half of the ACC team the most important game left on your schedule. And does it change if it's a late January game on the road against the bottom half of the ACC team? Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I, I think that venue makes so much of a difference here. Yeah, I like te- if, if tonight's game was in Boston instead of here. I would feel so differently about it. I, I tend to agree with you. I just threw it out there just to just to discuss it. But it, you know, as we kind of go back and forth on it, I tend to agree with you that it's a little early to call this the most important game remaining on the schedule. But boy, if they lose this game tonight, it's it's a it's a scary proposition. What lies back ahead? If they lose tonight. And and that's my point. And that's why I think you could make the case if you wanted to, because you know, what do you get to seven, eight wins? It, you know, again, that's generous. I think. If they lose this game tonight, now if they win it and then they beat Pitt and then they're on a three-game winning streak and they're four and four in conference and they're right back in the thick of the race, then I think that it changes the narrative of this season moving forward. And then you head down to Georgia Tech and you feel like, hey, we can get back above five hundred, and you, you kind of keep it rolling. But if you lose this game and stunt your momentum before you ever get it started, and then you know you you know what's coming up in February with Virginia and Louisville and, and Miami and Carolina and Duke and I mean all the best teams, you get. Uh, you get- Two breathers. You get Wake and NC State at home, and you already lost to Wake. So is that really a breather? It should be. It should be. It should be. But you lost to them already. That's a game. you know what I mean. Like right. I agree with you. Like it should be a breather. Like that should be a win. NC State at home. That should be a win. But like you've lost to Wake Forest already, and NC State has gone and beaten Duke. And I, so yeah. They, they need to win today. They also need to win on Saturday. And they also need to win next Wednesday. They've got You've got to just take care of business against bad teams. Just win games against mediocre to bad teams. And I know that you're, you are also a mediocre to bad team. But beat the other ones. You know, be, had, the best, be the best mediocre team there is in this conference. Well, we had this conversation last week about will Syracuse finish in the bottom five or the middle five. If this team wants to finish in the middle five... You know this game. This game is a must. You know this one and the pit one. You got to win these two games if you want to finish in the middle five. I don't know how it adds up to getting out of the bottom five if you lose one of these two games. So, yeah, there's but, there's some pressure. There's a lot of pressure going into this game tonight. By the way, what I just said isn't that basically the football conversation? Just be the best of the mediocre teams. Right. It's right. Florida State, Clemson, right. Louisville, and then maybe and just be the next right. one. Could you be and, and NC State proved to be the next one? You know, this year. And like then, that doesn't that seem to be what the basketball conversation is this year? Uh, you know, okay, there's Virginia at the top. Virginia is clearly the best team in this conference right now. Okay, then there's Duke, then there's UNC, then there's Louisville, you know, Louisville and, yeah. and then and then who else do you want to put in that in that conversation? I mean, I think Clemson has dropped out a little bit. Uh, I think so. Miami too. maybe not as good as we thought going into the season. Then it's like everybody else, you know. Right. So okay, so there's there's four that are clearly the top, and then there's maybe like two or three more that are very good, and then like B eighth. Yeah. Right? Like, right. like be eighth. Just be better than those other seven teams. That's like Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech. Uh, NC State, Wake Forest, like be better than those five. 
Yeah, Jerry brought up on the Jerry McNamara show last night, he brought up you know Kemba Walker's year 2011 when they were the ninth seed in the Big East and they just got hot at the right time. Give yourself a chance. Be eighth or ninth. Give yourself a chance. Get to the tournament and you never know what can happen, especially with this 2-3 zone. 315-437-7644. Got to take our first time out on the show. When we return, SU women's head coach Quinton Hillsman will join us. His ladies back in action tomorrow night. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on right after this on ESPN Radio. This is Stephen Fonte. SU assistant coach Alan Griffin will join us every Tuesday at 1215 on Orange Nation throughout the basketball season to break down the team. He's brought to you by Casanova Jewelry. You can listen right here every week on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village. I mentioned that uh, Coach Q and the, the women, their next three games are against teams below them in the conference standings. I think when all said and done, that, that may be the same case for the men. Obviously, BC's at a half a game ahead of Syracuse right now, but you get the point. BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech, they're all right around Syracuse. This next three-game stretch, just like for the women, it's enormous for the rest of their season. This three-game stretch is... Uh, absolutely huge for the men as they close out the month of January and then things get a lot more difficult in February. To the phone lines we go. Kevin and Poppy kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey Kevin. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, great. Love the show. Thank you. Um, first, I got two things I'd like to share. Um, this past weekend I had my first opportunity to go to the women's game um, and I'd just like to encourage um, all the other SU fans out there who like basketball, whether it's men's or women's, it was electrifying. Um, we had an opportunity to sit in seats we would never be able to buy. Um, and to watch Tiana and the rest of the gang run around out there, um, it was action nonstop. Um, so I would just encourage um, Orange Nation to go out and support them. Um, I'll be going to games again, uh, for sure. Um, second, um, I'm excited I get to go to the game tonight. Um, and I would like to encourage Orange Nation to uh, maybe take a page out of uh, the Seattle Seahawks book. Um, we, have the, we have the dome. We have the numbers and the crowd. Let's get behind these guys and, and show them that we believe – um, that they can do it and that they can play their best and beat anybody. And uh, I would just like to throw that out there. And and uh, that's all I really uh, wanted to say. I appreciate you guys taking my call. And um, go SU. And thank you very much. I appreciate checking in, Kevin. And that's great to hear because that's like with the with the women's game, and that's why they do it, right? They they yes. they try to fill the dome. They try to set the record. You know, they they give out a lot of tickets. They make them accessible. Um, and and they fill the dome, and then Syracuse plays well and wins, and then people want to come back. And so I'm glad that you know Kevin says he's going to go back. And yeah, he's right. Tiana is a special player, and if you haven't had a chance to see her yet, uh, you're going to want to get out there over the course of the next three years and and watch this uh, watch this player run around because she is uh, she's special and, and and she's fantastic. And Coach Q plays a very fun style of he basketball. does. And it's I mean press a lot, shoot a lot of threes, run up and down. A, a good team, good program. You know, you feel like they're on the rise. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, Kevin's going to go back and, and hopefully uh, many more people among those 8,000 that were in the Dome last weekend will, will decide to do the same and, and go back. And, and as for tonight, um, 
Should be a good crowd, right? I mean, it's been eight days since this team has played. The students are back on campus. It feels like this is a really important game, and I realize it's a midweek game, so you're not going to get the the weekend crowd. Um, it, it makes it a little more complicated for folks who have to work or go to school the next day or what have you. Um, but it should be a good crowd tonight, and you know the dome is an advantage. And Look, the dome is the dome, and and on a bad night, you're getting larger than capacity anywhere else in the country. Like, I think we forget that, right? Like, on a bad night, you're getting 24,000 people in the dome. Right. And, like, that is that would be the largest capacity in the country. For right? on-campus games, yes. Well, yeah. Like, nobody else can do that on a nightly basis, and that's, like, a bad night. So, right. yeah, let's have a let's have a bad night. And I mean, and there's no denying the fact that, you know, as we've been saying, this is, you know, a huge game. And whether or not we, you know, at the top of the show, we said, is this the most important game of the rest of the way? That may be overstating it a little bit. And I understand that. And I kind of lean toward your way of thinking, Seth, that, you know, again, on Selection Sunday, when we look back, this won't be the most important game. It'll be, you know, who they knock off. Did they upset Virginia or Duke or Carolina or, you know, Miami or whoever it may be? Um, but right now, in the here and now, at two and four in conference play, and again, knowing what's what's coming up, uh, this game takes on. Can I say that this game takes on greater significance than a normal home game against BC any other year? Yeah, sure. BC's better than they have been the last five years, so I think that's fair. And it's an uphill battle if you're two and five. Well, yeah. And this team, you know, we know they've got a really good backcourt. To me, in some ways, it reminds me of St. Bonaventure, right? I mean, they had you know Mobley and Adams and and not, not much, much else, else. and yeah. and that's kind of what it feels like with BC that they've got you know Robinson and Bowman and and not much else, and now you know they've got the transfer from BYU and and he's been you know very good this year, Jordan Chapman, uh, who's what is he? He's averaging over thirteen points per game. Yeah. So, but but the three of them are averaging forty five points a game, right? Uh, like. I don't want to say don't you know, I don't want to say let those guys get their points. Uh, but if they get their points and they're at forty five points, like okay, who else is scoring? And and in a way, if if you let the best players get theirs, then you shut down everybody else, and like you should be all right. How about this? But then, but if you do that, you run the risk of them going for thirty. Uh, so it's like which which one do you want? Do you want them to just kind of do what they normally do, and like you'll you'll kind of stop everybody else, or do you want to? key in on them and have somebody else go for some absurd number of points. You said yesterday that you'd love to see the All-Star game turn into, the NBA All-Star game turn into three-on-three. Yes. Uh, can we do a three-on-three tonight? Can we I, do SU's would, big three and BC's big three? I would love that. Can we do that right now? <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Can we, can we do that? That would be so much more interesting. Wouldn't it? They're one, twos, and threes anyway. It would be so much more interesting. So you'd have Battle, Howard, and Bursette yeah. against Chapman, uh, Bowman and Robinson. Yeah, I'd like SU's and then chances get, in that match. Can we get a second game of the next three going as well? Maybe that one should come first. That'll be like the warm up <laughs> game. That'll be, It'll the be like the JV. The JV. No, <laughs> I'm not taking a shot. That's that. that I shouldn't have said that. Um, no, they'll play at the same time. One on one half of the court, and one on the other. Be like the appetizer, and then you yeah. get the main course after that. Um, we could have a game. I don't know how that would work. We would have a game of Pascal Chukwu, Barama Sidibe, and Matthew Moyer. I don't know who's handling the ball. Exactly, Seth. that's what I'm saying. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's only half court, so no press. Um, I think Chukwu would be the point guard there. That'd be something to watch. Listen, he's been very good of late, and you know, great. You, you bring yes. up you bring up Chukwu, and you feel like all right, this team is close. They're in a lot of close games. Obviously, I mean, even their losses, they've all been close. Um, 
what do they need to do to kind of get over the hump? They need the you know the big three to keep playing well. They need to rebound. They need to play quality defense. What else can they do? I think it's realistic for Pascal Chuku to continue to you know slowly but surely develop and come along. He's been giving them a boost. If he's a guy that they can rely on night in and night out to give you eight, ten points, twelve points maybe, you know, on some nights. You know, he gets you close to double-digit rebounds. He blocks, you know, three to five shots. If he's if if you can count on him to do that on a regular basis, that's something that you you know you haven't necessarily been getting you know the entire season to this point. So when you look at well, you know, this team kind of is what it is. Yeah, the, I I understand why you would say that. But is there any place where this team could be a little bit better? And I think Pascal Chuku has the ability. And now that Sidibe is, it sounds like he's slowly but surely getting healthier. If you can get a little more out of that center position moving forward, that might be just enough to get you over the hump against some of these yes. you know, middle of the road teams. Yeah, I think Chuku, and I also think that there's more to get out of Matthew Moyer, right? Like, is is he really only a five and five player? Like, I don't know. I think he's better than that, don't you? I think he's eventually better than that. Like, I I think he'll you know give him some time. He'll develop. I'm not sure you can count on him for much more than that this year. Okay, no, that's fair. I, look, I think that there's more room for growth for Pascal Chukwu because we've seen this over the last, what, four games, right? He's been very good over the last three, four, five games, uh, you know, and, and he's performed much better in that span than he had, you know, previously. The Wake Forest game, he goes 10-5. and five. Uh, The Virginia game, 9-16. and 16. Florida State, 10-11. and 11. Uh, Pitt, 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, You'll take all of those games, right? All, every single one of them. Um and the thing is about him too, he's been he's leaving opportunities out there. Yes. Like you'll have a missed layup or a, a missed dunk or two or you know, he he's leaving some opportunities out there. So if he can continue to get better and eliminate some of those, you know, those glaring mistakes where he misses a bunny, again, 10 he 12 could be points, even better. He could be yes. that fourth scoring option that this team so desperately needs. Right. And and I that that's kind of where I was going is that he's shown more so than anybody else, he's shown that he could do this relatively consistently, right? there. There's a blip. He didn't play great in the Virginia Tech game. He didn't play great in the Notre Dame game. Uh, but for the most part, since, you know, a month ago, Eastern Michigan and on, he's played really well. Um, and, and he's shown more than anybody that he can play consistently. He can score. He can get rebounds. He'll block shots. And if he's going to do that, right, if he's at least going to score, rebound, and block shots, uh, you know, even if he's not scoring double digits every game, and just rebounds and block shots, that's at least something more, right? And that's more than you were getting out of him at the beginning of the year. And and this team needs more out of him. And, and to his credit, they've been getting it. To his credit, Seth, he's he's obviously had to play a lot of extra minutes with Barama Sidibe banged up, and, and there were some question marks about his health and his knee, and, and he's starting to get better. But he's had to play a ton of minutes. And you look at the minutes that he's played in ACC competition and the fact that He's fouled out a grand total of one time. It's incredible. He's been able to stay on the floor. And, and the only time he fouled out was the double, the double overtime, overtime game. game. Right. And it, right, if that game ends in regulation, he He's wouldn't, not he wouldn't have fouled out. out. So yeah. I think a credit to him because it, it's tough for him to play that many minutes, first of all. You know, again, being that big and not used to playing extended minutes night in and night out. He's been able to do that, and he's been able to stay out of foul trouble. And for a big guy, again, who's not used to playing a lot of minutes, that is an adjustment. So he's coming along with his scoring. He's coming along with his free throw shooting, certainly. He's been there on the backboards, and he's been able to stay in games. And, you know, defensively, we know he's very good. So 
I think if you're looking for one player from this point forward where you say, eh, maybe Syracuse can get a little more out of him, I think he's the guy. Um, Moyer, Dolajay, you know, they're... They kind of are what they are, and I think that you know they can develop into to good players, and, and once they get bigger and stronger and all that, especially Dolajai, you know, once he gets a, a little bigger and stronger, I think that will help him moving forward. But Chuku's the one guy that, that he seems to be developing in season, and you feel like you can get even a little more out of him. Yes, he seems like that next guy. Tyus Battle's great. Frank Howard has been playing great. O'Shea Brissett has had a phenomenal year as a freshman. Um you need something else, though. And and we talked about this in the non-conference of can you really win with three guys when the competition ramps up. You need a fourth, and, and you need Pascal Chukwu to give you something. You need somebody else to give you something. Pascal seems the most likely to actually be that guy. 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you on this matchup tonight against Boston College of the Orange. Seven-point favorite as they uh, return to action after a seven-day layoff. We'll hear from Mike Cousins at the top of hour number two. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. All the best local takes, Orange Nation. How many possessions did we see that only Frank Howard touched the ball? Matt Park. Brennan, that was a very composed, uh, rational phone call. That has uh, no place in, in this market. Daniel Ball. We have the sproutings of what looks like is going to be an amazing garden. But let me tell you something, baby. This year, we're not pulling any tomatoes off. We're not good enough. Brent Axe. They're missing something. Well, what they're missing is Torian Thompson. Listen back on iTunes or ESPNSyracuse.com. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Full lines open, 315-437-7644. A couple things I want to get to in this segment, Seth, before we get to today's business uh, in about 10 minutes from now. Number one, we saw against Pittsburgh that Syracuse went to the press early on, sprinkled it in. And I, I spoke with Jerry McNamara about that last night, and and he said it's it's such a feel thing, right? It's it's Jim Beheim feeling like, all right, if somebody's not in the game, or you know, this is the right time to put it on, let's try to get an easy basket. Now the trade off is you may give up a couple easy baskets, um, but the thinking against Pitt was, well, they're not going to be able to score enough to beat us, so let's let's try it, let's try to get a few easy baskets. Didn't really work. They I think they put it on for three possessions early in the game. Didn't force a turnover. Didn't really hurt them either. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see it tonight early, and the reason being. That backcourt is so good, right? I don't know as if you want to press Bowman and Robinson because you may very well give up some easy baskets on the other end. You know, I was thinking the other way. Do you want to press them to get the ball out of their hands? I guess you if, wanna, if you like, can be you successful wanna, in doing right, that. But like, do you want to put pressure on them in the backcourt? Do you want to put pressure on them 80 feet from the basket so that they've got to get rid of the ball? And then the person who's got it isn't Kai Bowman isn't uh you know uh Jerome Robinson isn't that guy who is going to make you pay and we've seen this with Syracuse right you want the ball in Tyus Battle's hands when Frank Howard's out of the game because you don't know if it's going to get back into his hands and and do you play that a little bit my gut feeling says no um because it's very easy to lose guys in transition and they've got three of them they've got Bowman Robinson and now Chapman this year the the transfer from BYU 
And I understand what you're saying, get the ball out of their hands, but it's not like one guy. Like It's not like you're trying to get the ball out of Tyus Battle's hands because Frank Howard's fouled out and nobody else can score and Battle is the one guy that can beat you. BC's got three guys that can beat you, and they're all perimeter players. And in transition or in a, a press break like that, when it's an unsettled situation, it's, a, it, in my opinion, easier to lose those guys in transition or in an unsettled situation opposed to setting your defense and knowing where, you know, accounting for everyone right. in front of you. No, I, I understand So my what gut you're says they're probably not going to press tonight, or at least not that much. Look, and, and I would also say that this team is very good in the half court defensively. So I, I don't, and so I understand why they don't press that much. And I, you know, I was just kind of saying devil's advocate, but it was the thought that popped into my mind of you want to get the ball out of your hands. But at the same time, you just said it. You want to be set in your defense, and the press doesn't really allow for that, which is, I think, why we haven't seen it all that much this year, right? I, mean, I think there are a few reasons. I think the the depth on this team is an issue because you've got three guys logging crazy minutes with Brissett, right. Howard, and Battle, and you don't want to tire them out. I think this team is very good defensively in the 2-3, that you want to play to your strength, you don't want to go away from your strength. Um, and some of it, again, depends on who you're playing and the backcourts that those teams have. Um, so I think there are some reasons why we haven't seen it. I know that you know while we try to figure out, and it's been uh, you know going on several weeks to slash several months, everybody's been trying to figure out what do you do with the offense. And we've had callers you know reach out to us and say you know maybe press a little bit more, try to get easy baskets. I think that is one way to do it. This team has shown that it can be effective in the press, but you can't use it all the time. And Jim Beheim generally likes to use it when they're behind and they need to. He doesn't necessarily like to use it when they're tied or ahead. To um, get further ahead. Right. Yeah. But we saw that a little bit against Pitt. And again, Jerry said there was a feel thing. There was a sense that, you know, Pitt probably can't score enough to beat us. So let's let's see what happens. Let's see if we can get a few easy baskets and extend the lead. They were unable to extend the lead at that point. They extended the lead later in the game, not because of the press. But they put it on. All right. Didn't work. And then they go back to doing what they do. I'm not sure we're going to necessarily see that sprinkled in in the first half tonight because of the opponent, but I do think it's a weapon that they may be able to use here and there, you know, moving forward, even if the game is close and not, you know, 10 minutes to go and they're down double digits and they need to make something happen. Right. You mean Boston College might make you pay for it more than Pitt? Yes, because Shocking. you've got you've got Shocking. good ball handlers. Yeah, I never would have, uh, I never could have imagined that this year uh, that Boston College would make you pay and for it a little bit more, and not necessarily layups. They might make you pay threes, with threes yeah. in no, transition, exactly. which is which is even worse, obviously. Exactly. I, I think that when you when you look at this Boston College team, it just it it might not make sense to press them and speed them up, right? Because if they speed up, they'll get more possessions and hit more threes. You might not, right? And, and it and it plays into another deficiency on this Syracuse team. Syracuse doesn't have three-point shooters. Syracuse does not shoot the ball well uh, from the three-point arc. And, and if you're not going to shoot the ball well from the three-point arc, you don't want to fall behind and you don't want to speed up a good three-point shooting team, right? You don't want to give them opportunities to catch up or move ahead of you too far where you can't catch up. As you know, uh, I'm out of here after this segment, Seth, and and you'll uh, you'll take us home the last 30 minutes uh, with Max, and you guys got today's business coming up. So let's just kind of bring the the Syracuse basketball talk full circle and and, and wrap things up. Uh, who wins tonight and why? You know, the spread is is seven. Does SU win and does SU win comfortably? I think SU will win. Uh, I don't think they'll win comfortably because are they going to win many games comfortably? No. Uh, you know, that pick game ended up as 14, but was it really comfortable? Comfortably uh, in I don't that, know. do they cover the spread? Uh, maybe, but probably in the way that they almost covered the spread against Pitt, right? Where it's close, it's back and forth, they pull away towards the end. 
Um, I, I don't see them winning big or leading big this entire game, but I think they'll win. I, I think that they will win this game. I think that there's an urgency, and I also think that when you look at this game and you look at this game at home, um, I think that Syracuse is better than Boston College in the Carrier Dome. Does that mean that they're better than Boston College at Boston College? I'm not sure, but here they are. I think there are a lot of reasons to like SU tonight. Um, coming off the you know the week long layoff, I think is a reason to like Syracuse. They've had a, you know an entire week to get ready for this game. Um, I like the fact that again BC, while they've played teams close on the road, uh, they have not won in conference on the road. Syracuse has been very good at home. I think this is a team that they they should be able to beat. I think they are better than Boston College. Um, so, yeah, I think Syracuse gets a win tonight. They absolutely need to get a win tonight. And, you know, in regards to the point spread, is it more by, you know, by more than seven? I don't know. I think it's going to be a couple possession game. Maybe they hit some free throws late and they, they push it above the seven-point mark. Right. But I, I think I, this is going to be a one- yeah. or two-possession game like so many other games this season are going to be. Um, but I think Syracuse pulls it out, and I think they get you know back-to-back wins and they get to three and four in conference, and they set themselves up with a chance to get back to 500 against Pittsburgh next week. Uh, again, another game that they, they should absolutely win. Yeah, no, that's how I see it going. Uh, you know, Just like the Pitt game, like the Notre Dame game, they're close. One team, you know, pulls ahead at the end. Notre Dame pulled ahead at the end and, and got that last second bucket. Uh, Syracuse pulled ahead and pulled away from Pitt at the end of that game. Uh, I, I would say that this is probably going to be the same. They might cover, right? They might win by 8 or 10 or 12, uh, but I don't think they're going to lead by 8 or 10 or 12 the entire time. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. And that's, you know, the nature of this team, a defensive team. You know, they get on the glass. They don't score a whole heck of a lot. Uh, we know BC could fill it up. I mean, BC outscored Duke at home. You, as I said to my cousins, you don't beat Duke by accident. You don't beat Florida State by accident. This team can score. Syracuse, obviously, very good defensively. I think it will be a relatively close game, and, and we'll see how the whole thing plays out. Uh, let's quickly go to the phone lines here as we wrap up this segment. Jake and Syracuse next up on Orange Nation. Hey, Jake. How are you doing, guys? Uh, I'll be real quick. Um, BC being so perimeter-oriented, we're going to obviously see a lot of Howard Washington this evening. Uh, the offense seems to flow a lot better with him in the game, but I'm wondering if there's a statistic available as to what, what we lose in terms of rebounding when battle has to go down to the baseline in the zone. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you checking in, Jake. Um, I don't know that it's such a obvious that we're going to see more of well, Howard Washington tonight. And what I was just going to say was in terms of that stat, I don't know if we've seen that lineup enough for there to be a large enough sample size right, to make any sort of conclusions when he goes out of the game. Obviously they get small when when now when battle goes out of the game when battle goes to the the bottom line of the yep. the defense he becomes a forward and then you've got the three guard lineup i don't know as if we've necessarily seen it enough to to have a, a large enough sample size to to draw conclusions howard washington does some good things he's coming along uh, there's no doubt about that um i don't know if we're going to see that lineup a lot unless you know it Unless Syracuse falls behind, because I don't think that's their best lineup, right? Because no, it, it makes either. it makes you smaller, and one of the strengths of this team is getting on the glass and rebounding. So I think you go to that lineup if you feel like you need a spark, you know, on the offensive end, or you know, if if you can get away with it going a little smaller. But I, I don't think that's their best lineup. No, because I think they're worse rebounding, and I think they're worse defensively. I, I really do. I think that a, a big 
key to the defense this year is that they've got such size and length up top. It's not John Gillen up front. It's Howard and Battle. Frank Howard is big and Tyus Battle is big up front at the top of that zone. And and Howard Washington is not. Howard Washington is closer to John Gillen than than Frank Howard uh, as far as height goes. So, yeah, I don't think that it's such an obvious, oh, well, we'll see them. We'll see him tonight because they're guard oriented. I I don't think so. I don't think it's that. I I think quite maybe the opposite. You've got to be able to close out on three-point shooters, and what's Howard Washington shown you this year that makes you think he can? Valid point. Maybe you see less of him because he's he's struggled defending. Well, again, his minutes have been so hit or miss. I don't know if you can say you'll see less of no, him. No, but he, maybe none of them. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think we'll see him. And again, he does some good things. It's just I don't think that's their best lineup when they go three guards. It, there are some games where it makes sense. I'm not sure that, that that's necessarily a game tonight. I guess we'll we'll have to find out again. Jim Beheim always coaches by feel. We'll have to see if he's if he's feeling that lineup tonight. Uh, we do need to take a timeout. I'm out of here. I'll see you inside the Carrier Dome. Seth's going to take you home. We're back after this on Orange Nation.